Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhite, episode number 38 for the week of February 11, 2019. I'm Mike Combe, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. We are a couple of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. This week, we'll be talking about the Euro Vortex that is approaching this weekend. Oh, man, it's going to be there's so much stuff this weekend. And there was already so much stuff last weekend. Oh, my goodness. Yes, we are in the height of selection season and our calendar is overflowing. Like it, it <laughs> I, I thought that there was unlimited boxes on my like, Google calendar where I'm keeping track of all this stuff. But it's like, nope, it, it, like scroll bars are showing up. It's it's very, very busy. Trying to click through all of the various events that were happening last Saturday was was a challenge. Yeah, but a lot of fun too. Like there, yes. there, there were a lot of good shows, and then also having the Grammys this weekend. It's just like wow, a lot. Granted, it was a lot of sitting in front of the TV, but a lot of really good music. So mm-hmm. just just a deluge of good music. Yes. Before we kind of recap this past weekend and look ahead, we wanted to kind of check in with some Eurovision in the wild. So, you know, our favorite show is America's Got Talent, right? We, we, we're so excited by the program. It's, it is a television program that is on seemingly constantly now that they've introduced a winter season with past winners. Yeah, and so we knew that this season was going to happen, and a contestant list showed up on Wikipedia, and I scrolled through the list to be like, all right, just see if there are any potential Eurovision connections there. And I was skimming through and like went through everybody who was listed as a singer and be like, all right, none of these names are jumping out. Pretty sure Prince Poppycock was not representing Belgium at any point and got through the whole list. And it's like, all right, I think we're in the clear. Not remembering that there, there are other talents in the world that occasionally show up at the Eurovision stage. Yeah. And I'm actually kind of embarrassed about this one because it was one from one of my all-time favorite Eurovision performances. Uh, it was Ukraine's 2011 entry for Angel that finished fourth place that year. And that was pretty much on the shoulders of Ksenia Simonova, who is a sand animator. Yeah, she is the sand lady that was going on in the background of that performance. Yeah, and it's just so visually stunning what she does and just the level of precision that she has anyway she was uh one of the last contestants on the as we record this the most recent episode of america's got talent she was doing her sand presentation because she won ukraine's got talent back in 2009 the video of it was just as amazing as what she did in 2011 it was it was with a different song and a different story that she was telling just by like manipulating sand and We'll have a link to the video in the show notes because there's just no way to describe it that really does it justice. Like It's something that you do have to watch. You can definitely turn it off once it starts turning into like America's Got Talent overload because it's like Terry Crews is so moved that he like storms from backstage and it's like, I need to hit a button. And then everybody explodes into confetti. It was just incredibly annoying from an America's Got Talent <laughs> perspective. But she is a favorite to win the competition, which is kind of exciting. That, yeah, that feels fair. And also, like one thing I will say is that you, is that I only watch about five minutes of America's Got Talent at, at any one given time because it's usually on before the thing that I want to watch. But mm-hmm. Terry Crews is an improvement, I think, over over the normal host. Yes, I enjoy his enthusiasm. It feels very real. Yeah, and it's just like I, I am so glad that he was so moved by this performance to use. I think it's called the Golden Buzzer. Like that—that's the thing that drives me most nuts about the show is I have to learn the mechanics in order to talk about it. And it's just like, no, please, no. I just want to. I just want to appreciate Cassinia's 
talent and just leave it at that. But uh, as we record this, the finals are airing and then the results will be happening on Monday, February 18th. So who knows? She could win the World's Got Talent or whatever this or whatever season is called. It. Good luck. I'm, I'm, I'm actually rooting for her. It's like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to the YouTube clip uh, of whatever she does uh, during this week's final. And then elsewhere uh, in television entertainment programs uh cbs saw what nbc has been doing for years it's like we should get in on that but with the slight twist and now has a program titled the world's best yeah which i think is pretty much america's got talent but rupaul's one of the judges and you would think that would be enough of a draw but no i and, and, I just... and yeah no <laughs> Uh, the judge uh, representing France is uh, Asai Altunian, who was part of Armenia's group uh, Genealogy, who represented Armenia in 2015. Okay. Yeah, which is kind of random, but but neat. sure. Yeah. Any? Uh, yeah. Why not? We got to find these Eurovision connections wherever we can. And Mike, very serious question. Yeah. Can our economy support two talent-based entertainment programs? I imagine they're pretty cheap to produce, so yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> as, as far as I can tell, uh, World's Best uh, premiered after the Super Bowl, so it had a pretty big audience for its first night. They had that nice that nice Super Bowl bump. Right. Uh, second night, not so hot. Uh, it was up against NBC's Chicago Block and Fox's Masked Singer. I know you're watching Masked Singer. I am also watching Masked Singer. Given the choice between The Masked Singer and The World's Best, uh, The Masked Singer is almost appointment television in my household. Like, <laughs> like I, may, I make time to watch that, and that's sad, but also it's very entertaining. It's winter. There's like, not a lot, uh, though. Uh, yeah, let's say, yeah it's, it's a lot. So I was seeing a lot of ads for World's Best during the Grammys last night, mm -hmm. and like just the way that they described the act was, was just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Just like the talented child, and it's like a child singing uh, Andrew Day's Rise Up, but they're 12, so it's so that's a talent. Yeah, but it's just like, well, I mean, there were 12-year-olds on The X Factor when that was a thing, so uh, whatever. Yeah, uh, has there been anything else that's been on TV that might have caught Americans' eyes? This might have been on TV. I don't, like, I found out about it after the fact when a friend tweeted the clip off of Twitter at me with, with the question, Ben, is this a Eurovision? Uh, and and yes, Austin, it is a Eurovision. Uh, specifically, the at the Saint Petersburg uh, Ladies Trophy Tennis Tournament, uh, which is on indoor hard courts. From the closing ceremony, uh, Sergey Lazarev appears to have been the the musical guest of honor. Since the the clip that he sent me was uh, Sergey Lazarev doing the last third or so of "You Are My Only One" from from 2016. And like it sounded real good, had like a good orchestral backing on that. Like it felt very epic. And that's actually kind of funny that uh, we bring up Sergey Lazarev because he was announced as Russia's act for this year's Eurovision. The timing of this actually works out in kind of a weird way because Russia was uh, going to announce who their artist was on February 1st, I want to say. Uh, and then that ended up getting delayed. I think that was the same weekend as this tennis tournament. So that might have been, uh, like, oh, well, Sergey's not available for the announcement. So uh, we'll, we'll just uh, delay it for another week. <laughs> Sergey already has a gig book. So if you guys can just like scoot that on the calendar to be great, thanks. It's kind of exciting that he's back uh like Ru russia had kind of a rough go the last couple of years he did do a very good job he came in third in 2016 and he was favored to win and he's also working with the same team from 2016 so sergey's in good hands good hands russia clearly bringing the big guns yeah yeah like they 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 are in it to win it which 
can sort of appreciate up from a Russia puts on a good show. Not sure if it's going to be like this year where it's like, oh, yay, Russia could win. Oh, but that would mean Russia is going to host. That's yeah, hmm, it's just, problematic. It's like, fun, <laughs> it's like a fun second year of problematic human rights, LGBTQ issues. So that was the only artist only announcement uh but there have been one two three four selections that have happened uh over the weekend yes i will start us off with the uk so the uk did their usual uh eurovision uh it's your fault uh sort of a deal <laughs> um although i i did like that they switched it up that you know I, I think it's it's good to play with format and i think we discussed this a little bit last week but they had three different songs performed in two different ways and those those battles, as it were, were decided by their jury, and then the three winners performed again, and the people decided, and the people decided to send Michael Rice and Bigger Than Us. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than everything we see. Cause I can feel the universe when I'm feeling you breathe. It's bigger than us. It was very difficult to find a 15-second clip for this song whatever 15 seconds you pull it's going to be emblematic of what this song is but none of it is interesting like this this is, is this is such is, a beige song this is it is focus group within like an inch of its life like this is the most generic kind of semi-uplifting message you can send to eurovision and i get it the uk i get it it's it's not a great time for y'all right now but also why? Why this one? Also, where are you going to get a gospel choir to back this up? You have six people on stage. Yeah, I mean, Austria was able to kind of create that effect last year with their song. And I think I think it might have only been like three singers who were able to get the booming voice. But like, I don't even care about that. Like this this song is just so uh, it, it, this song just kind of encapsulates the sort of contempt that I feel the UK has toward Eurovision, where it's like, oh, we're not going to send any sort of quality product or it, it's more that they're just gonna be like oh well we only send like quote unquote eurovision songs to eurovision it's like you know i think we're past that at this point like yeah just there, there, you, there can, are genuinely good songs that participate in eurovision and uk is not sending them so yeah, can you can you just like bother to try just for one year just like just just try one year Ah, <sighs> uh, yeah, this is it's it's frustrating. And again, I get it. You're having a real bad moment right now. But come on, <sighs> come on. Really, the thing that kind of irritated me with the song from the start is like the the opening two lines of just like listen to this song while I sing to you. Just no, no, go yeah. re go rewrite that. Yeah, no. I mean, the whole thing just needs to be. Yeah. It needs a lot of workshopping. Like I I know I came down hard on Storm last year when it was selected, and I eventually came around to it but a lot of that just had to do with how magnetic a personality uh suri, suri was yeah suri was great the, the, i know suri sir and you sir are no suri wow that, that was wow that was impressive considering yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah, a real that, tongue twister there <laughs> yeah like oh man that could have gone so much worse oh man yeah uh, right. i'm i'm just very disappointed with this choice on the other hand I did not. I did not have the energy to listen to the other tracks from the UK, so I really have no right to complain. I think this one was the favorite uh, of the fans, so that doesn't really prompt me to want to the explore. The of praise. <laughs> <laughs> the fans like this piece of garbage the best. Yeah. Well, you it, know, like it, it, it's not garbage. It's just very beige. Be uh, it's like the Pantone code of beige. <laughs> yeah, just the Pantone code of beige. 
uh, that little bubble of air that they pack your Amazon stuff in so that the stuff doesn't shift around. Yes. <laughs> in a giant box much bigger than the package uh, yes. that is being delivered. <laughs> anyway, let, let, let's anyway. move on to Australia. Okay, let's move on to, to different entries. Yes. Mike, how did Australia do? Did you wake up for the, for the decision? I did not. Uh, I did not, but so the way that they handled the televoting part, uh, which I found very interesting, was as soon as the jury final was over, SBS, the host broadcaster, put the jury rehearsal clips online so that people could watch and then televote. So it was like a about a 24-hour televoting window, which makes so much sense like if if they're worried about leaks getting out this is a perfect way to kind of lean into that problem and be like all right there's probably going to be leaked footage let's just release the quality footage and have people start voting then and yeah it's like what if we leaked the footage that'd be great and yeah it, it and was like i i enjoyed watching the the jury clips and getting a sense for what the performances look like yeah and like we got to watch them in the running order and it was like oh yeah i'll just watch this friday night and not have to wake up at three thirty in the morning i didn't even bother trying to do that <laughs> i feel very proud of what came out of our discussion last week because uh we nailed the top four yes we did the ultimate winner was kate miller heidke with zero gravity Ben, what did you think of this result? I feel disappointed. Uh, this is this is not what I would have picked. On the other hand, I'm an American who has no voting right in this, but I, I feel like I was clear with my thoughts on this song when we talked with the guys from Aussie Vision, and I'm just so over operatic stuff at the Eurovision, and this performance did not help for me. Like, I, I get what they were going for in playing off of Zero Gravity and just, like, a big dress. This didn't feel fresh to me for Eurovision. I think it was good for like a first draft of a performance like i'm thrilled that this one won like this was one of my picks for the top uh in our discussion last week Mm -hmm. and even though there are operatic elements i would argue that it is more of a broadway performance than an opera performance okay we don't need to get into that level of nitpicking but yeah in terms of the staging i think this is a good baseline to work from, but I think there are ways they can tweak it. Like I, like I said last week, it was like it can't be just about a dress. Yeah, Estonia did that already. We're bored. Mm. I wish I knew what the name of that kind of aerial list was, where it's just like kind of flying around on that flexible pole. Like I think that's a good idea. I still think that there should be some sort of rig where Kate is flying around in some way and just kind of thinking of like what they could do is like once it gets to the big like sort of third act part of the song. The phrase put her in a harness you cowards did pass through my brain. Yes. For the whole show, I think they did a fantastic job. The performance that like kind of blew me away that like made me that like made the the song kind of rocket up the charts for me and like I kind of wish it had a surprise win. Electric Fields, the the Aussie Vision guys were big on that one and I it had kind of been in the middle for me but like when I saw the performance I was very taken with the the lead vocalist on this one was very entranced and like really liked their energy like with this whole performance. I liked the song as a song and mm-hmm. I think I think it made more sense seeing it as a live performance. I think what might have hurt it was the cameras just didn't know what to do like there was just so much movement around the stage and just kind of rocking out which I totally get that vibe and I'm sure it was amazing in the room but yeah it's just like the camera just didn't know where to go and I think that 
may have been a challenge for people just like watching the performance. And mm-hmm. I'm really interested in checking out the rest of their catalog. And then third place went to Shepherd, which I think is the right place for that yeah, song. Uh, yeah, given that performance, yeah, it was it was good. Uh, the other one, you know, the the two that were, I would place the other two above it, and then mm-hmm. Courtney Act kind of rounding things out in fourth. That was a nice performance, I thought. I would argue that might have been the strongest stage performance uh, mm-hmm. of the night, uh, just because it was a clear concept. It was very well executed, and her vocal was not as strong as I think it needed to be. And I think we were all kind of expected that to be the case. And, yeah. But I think the actual performance, particularly the use of the boxes and kind of changing the geography of the stage throughout the performance, was really smart and that would have been a lot of fun to see on the eurovision stage yeah that i i had kind of pegged that one as being the the most fun to see stage and i was not disappointed there wasn't a dud in the mix which no uh yeah i mean there were there were songs that like i liked more and liked less than others but everybody like delivered this feels mean to say but i was very happy that i correctly predicted that digital dust was going to be last i know yeah it wasn't help that data dust was at the top of the running order so no no that was not yeah but i think she did her job like the job of that song was to get the party started get the party started uh remind people how great the gdpr is and get mm-hmm. out get out of there yeah yeah i mean it was it was a song that may have had the right to be forgotten which is unfortunate so mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, that was a GDPR joke. That was a yeah, really that, good that one, That was a too. very yeah. good GDPR <laughs> joke. Uh, there, there, there is like a very small audience for that. It might just be my company's InfoSec guy. So Yeah, yeah. Like I had to explain what GDPR was to my husband because he was just like, <laughs> I, like why, why were you and Ben giggling about that last week? It's like, I, okay. So, <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Uh, moving on. Uh, Montenegro <laughs> also picked their entry. They had posted audio previews on their website, so I went through them and listened to all of them. A couple times, you know, just enough to like form hard opinions about who should win. The the way that Montenegro does does their thing is that all five of them performed, and then the voting happened, and then the top two became the super final, and those two performed again. Uh, so my favorite did not get any votes from the the televoters. It mostly just got in like in studio journalist and jury numbers, which mm-hmm. made me sad. And then uh, the entries that I had ranked fourth and fifth, although really the bottom three, like any of the orders would have worked. Uh, those are what were the super finalists. So great job, Montenegro. Great job. Which one ended up winning? The one that was not uh, a mid-tempo ballad sung by a lady. Demol's Heaven. I'm in heaven falling straight into your heart. Falling, I'll catch you while you're This is fine. I'm glad that 1997 is alive and well in Montenegro and I mean, enjoying retirement. <laughs> every, everything is cyclical, and it's it's about 1997's time. So this song, to me, uh, feels like six soloists trying to figure out who wins, mm. and occasionally they harmonize. How did you feel about this one? It really did remind me of One Sweet Day and like the sort of songs that you would hear in like your middle school dance. And... Oh yeah, this one had like strong middle school dance vibes. Yeah, and it's fine i mean it's well no i mean it's just like it's it's just not for me for mm-hmm. starters yes but yes i like it in the sense that we don't have 
are they the first yeah i think they are the yeah, first yeah, group yeah like it, it feel it fills a niche that has not yet been filled this eurovision of, of like an, an actual vocal group if they can get their harmonies in line and i don't know figure out a hierarchy or a pecking order or something that might mm-hmm. uh solve some of the problems i mean the song's mm-hmm. gonna get a revamp so maybe like another pass at the lyrics will happen in as part of that process but mm-hmm. just sit down with with this uh sextet of singers and go okay you guys need to sound like a group how can we do this it's also very wholesome which yeah yeah which montenegro it feels like they're on like a wholesomeness kick the last couple years yeah uh space notwithstanding space space happened uh and then uh last year's song feels last year's song and this year's song feel like responses to, to space in way in a way i've already forgotten what last year's song was all right yeah uh <laughs> yeah, but like it felt very traditional, very yeah. wholesome, very like yes, of course this is what uh this portion of Europe sounds like. Yeah. I guess this one does sort of make sense then, where it's just like pendulum swung one way, that was a little too far, swung yep, the that other one way. Didn't work, that so was, let's let's yeah. and rather than stopping in the middle, uh we have gone with swinging the other way and this one has stuff to work with. So it, it's fine and like we're early enough in in the mega selection process right now. That who knows? This might be the like once we have like, all eighteen of the entries in its semifinal, we might go. Oh no, this one, this one is ninth. And then the other main selection of this last weekend was Italy. Uh, how was the San Remo this year, Mike? We give Albania and Lithuania a lot of grief for how long their processes are. This is my first year actually sitting down to watch San Remo, and I only watched the final night of it. It was a very long broadcast <laughs> like it started oh i want to say it was 1 30 chicago time uh it didn't finish until about six o'clock something like that there were 24 songs competing uh i, I think that might be a change for this year i i for some reason i seem to recall previous years having a smaller field by the time it gets to the fifth night uh, of the competition uh, so there's 24 performances of that, but it's also a variety show. So like the hosts are doing performances and there were commercial breaks as well. So it was not unlike the Grammys and just being like, when are they going to get to an award or a contestant? <laughs> or- yeah, I, yeah, like I'm just thinking of the portion of the Grammys where just it was Alicia Keys just doing a bunch of songs at the piano. And you're like, you guys have like seven awards to give out yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was a pretty long process. And the way that the voting works is I think it's a cumulative score from like the previous nights and there's like a jury and televoting and like a press jury and then the proportion that those votes count changes midway through the competition like it's it is a very thorough process i mean eurovision is based on san remo and so it lots of intricacies to making sure that it is the fairest score possible they get to where they're announcing the results and booing starts instantly and everyone is mad everyone was mad it was like and it got it kind of got to the point where it was just like wait are you booing because this artist finished so high or they didn't finish high enough like it was just i i could not follow like why everybody was so upset and the thing is like when i think of people booing i would expect the hosts to be 
mortified or not sure what to do or something. And they're just rolling with it. So props to them for just being like completely professional about it, but also it's like, oh, is this just standard operating procedure? It was kind of fascinating, but also very uncomfortable to watch. I'm just like, everybody has been sitting there for five hours. All of them are hangry. I have a feeling that may have been a portion of it as well, because even though it was only 6.30 Chicago time, that means it's like one in the morning in Italy. And like everybody's wearing tuxes. Like it, it, it is a big deal event. Eventually, it gets to the top three, which included Il Volo, Ultimo, and Mahmoud. So the three of them uh, go into a super final, so another televoting window. They didn't perform again. Instead, we were treated to a magic act involving giant cards for three-card Monty, and yeah. Um, <laughs> it was oh, a very man, that... long Saturday, Ben. <laughs> Just the thing you need when, like, you've gone through most of the results, but not all of the results. It's, here, here's the magic act. We need to take 15 more minutes for more phone calls. Yeah, and nobody liked who the top three were, which was, like... <laughs> Everyone is mad. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, it was just kind of descending into chaos. But, yeah, it uh, gets into the re- revealing the results. Ilvillo finished third, uh, which... I'm kind of okay with. I didn't think that their entry rose to the level of Grandi Amore. So. so great news if you had Il Volo tickets for Tokyo. Uh, the, yeah. that, that event is still on. Yes. Ultimo finished in second, which means that Mahmoud's Soldi was the winning song. Everyone is mad. Well, everybody got madder, which was, uh, which was part of the problem, because uh, I believe it was the woman who finished in fourth place. She was the favorite of the audience to win. And then Ultimo was uh, of the super finalists, the, pre- the preferred entry to win. Uh, Mahmoud, he advanced from the sort of like best new artist ca- uh, competition that they had uh, back in December and was kind of like a wildcard entry into the full San Remo Festival. And he is uh, like half Italian, half Egyptian. And I guess there's some tension about that in Italy and concerns that his song it, like doesn't necessarily match what the purpose of the San Remo Festival is. It's just it's getting into some very uncomfortable politics, I think. I kind of like the song. Yeah, like I kind of like the song, too. Like one one part that feels very difficult to to reproduce on the Eurovision stage that I very much appreciate when like everybody in the, like the backing orchestra was like doing the claps. Mhm. I think that'll be something that'll catch on. So it felt like a step up from from last year's Italian entry which I think both of us disliked and then mm-hmm. got yelled at on Twitter about and that was fun. Uh, yeah, I, and and they yeah. finished in the top five, so uh, guess so, Italy got the last laugh on that one. So. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, like th- this feel this feels interesting for Italy, and like this felt like an interesting choice to me. Having as somebody who did not pay attention to San Remo this weekend and knew that Il Volo was in the mix, like this is this is a little bit more interesting to me. I've heard Il Volo, they're lovely, mm-hmm. uh, but you've done that before, Italy. Send me something new. Yeah, and and this entry was so different from the rest of the field. I mean, like. This year's field had at least three or four songs that were in that same sort of lecture style as last year's entry, which I think that was what you and I both responded so negatively toward last year. Yeah, I just felt like someone was yelling at me. And then there were also just some really rough performances during the final, but I think part of that was just like, this is the fifth night that they've been competing. So it's like, yeah, I think the week just caught up with a couple of the contestants. So... 
it's really intense and i'm kind of looking forward to next year's competition because <laughs> it's just like wow there's there is a lot going on here and it's just yeah it was wild okay that actually does it for for all of the actual selections this week in the semi-final note while you were busy watching italians get very mad i was mm-hmm. watching swedes perform very good pop songs uh over at Mes- melody festival on this weekend uh which Again, we, we've kind of talked about the new voting system that they're trying this year where, where viewers are sorted into groups. And we saw like the first result of what that means this weekend because the sixth place and seventh place finishers, so nobody who's going to the finals or even the, the second chance round, the person who placed last actually had more votes than the person who placed sixth, but because the person who placed sixth had a wider range of age groups, they placed a little bit higher. What do you mean age groups? How can you tell? Uh, So in the corner of the screen is basically a heart-shaped mood ring. It changes colors, and there are different colors for each age group, and I do not know which color each age group is represented by. I just know sometimes the heart is a lot of different colors. Sometimes it's just one color. Huh. So that's what's happening in Sweden. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to the data drop once Melfest is done. Like, I think yes. there's going to be a lot of different ways to slice those numbers. It feels like voting is up. Although, again, I think we, we will wait to see that until, like, all of the numbers are out there. But the, the person who placed in seventh technically had 100,000 more votes than the person in sixth. Wow. Yeah. I, I know that last week's edition had, uh, I believe they said it was the most votes for a qualifying heat. So. Okay, so the heat the heat is back in Sweden. I Good I, on them. I like what I also like what they're doing with the hosts this year. Where it so the first week they seem to have all four at once, which is good because we're getting introduced to all these people. Mm-hmm. This week it was just the ladies hosting in Momo, mm-hmm. which was nice. So I assume that well, the 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 gents showed up for like a, a pre taped song songy bit. So I assume that next week the guys are going to host and the ladies will have a pre taped songy bit. Well, that makes sense. And also there's like an ongoing storyline in the lead up to each episode where like in addition to hosting they are also traveling in an rv from heat to heat and this week the rv broke down and the guys were trying to fix it and the ladies just like hitched a ride and the the guys didn't want to go with them anyways there's a storyline interesting yeah oh, all right i have no clue what most of it is because i do not speak swedish and i have and i've gotten very bad about duolingo that's how Sweden is doing. Mike, how many people are there in Lithuania? Currently, there are 16 songs and 15 acts. We're, we're, getting, we're almost out of double digits. We're almost out of exciting. double digits. The final is ever closer unless they introduce six new acts and six songs. But who knows? <laughs> it's Lithuania. Do, do, do not tempt them. No. Do uh, not tempt so, them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a semifinal this week that had 12 songs competing. Four of them advanced. Uh, one of them was uh, Monica Maria, and she won the jury and the televote uh, with her song. She has a second song in this coming week's semifinal, so doesn't have to compete against herself yet. I would not be surprised if her other song also manages to make it to the final. So uh, 12 songs this week, four of those will advance. So fingers crossed, this time next week, there'll be just eight songs and maybe six people. Who knows? So... <laughs> Uh, how's capitalism doing in Iceland? Um, it is still a thing, uh, but on the plus side, uh, Hatari remains delightful. Like I have gone like fully down the rabbit hole for an Icelandic act in a way I have not done since Polapunk in 2014. It's great. I love I love Hatari. Hatari are my friend. Nice. How was their semifinal performance? I was I was only able I was... to catch a little glimpses uh, here and there. Okay, so it was wild. 
Like, it, they, they kicked off this first semifinal. They were the first act of five, which really was the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they either needed to open or close. My best description of the performance is, like, this is what Stefan would design for a Eurovision performance. <laughs> like, it had everything. Some boxes with people being played like drums with, with a, by a guy with a hammer and a big leather mask on. Yep. Screaming. Yes. The entire band and their, their backing performers... In, like, bondage stuff. Yep. All the things. And, like, on one hand, this is very much not the type of music I listen to. On the other hand, it kind of is. Like, there's enough of, like, a synth poppiness to it that to go with, like, the very industrial edge. It's just working for me. I cannot picture this winning. On the other hand, I can totally see this going to the final. Uh, and, like, Lordy won. Anything is possible. Uh, I just kind of like that there seems to be a tongue-in-cheek nature to everything this band does. Like everything and some of it is very much don't tell me what to do mom i can you know it's my life all of the interviews with this group delight me to no end they have a very strong sense of like how the internet works how pr works like it's trying to find stuff on like their website like it's just they have they have a very user unfriendly website but it's very well designed in its user unfriendly yes well yeah and like (laughs) And trying to find out more about this band, uh, went to a website, uh, Icelandic Music News, mm-hmm. where I'm like, wow, this website, ha- for, for being about Icelandic music, has nothing but articles about Hatari. <laughs> and then looked at the bottom of the page, and it's like, it's a website made by the holding company that the people in Hatari run all of their stuff through. So, of course, it's only about nice. them. Yeah. And, like, I ended up finding the holding company's Facebook page, and it their logo is the circle of stars uh, that represents the EU, but all the stars are replaced with buzzsaws. So, uh, <laughs> it's like, just like... It's, they... it's very on-brand. Uh, there's a vi- there's a video interview of them from like last year when they were were temporarily disbanding because they had not reached their goal of dismantling capitalism. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the two of them like this is like a video interview with them. Uh, they are at uh, Iceland's main shopping center. One of them is in a suit, the other one is in a suit and a fur coat. Uh, and then their third friend still has like the mask with the spikes on, and I love it. I love it so much. Anyways, yeah. there were other performers at Iceland's first semifinal, <laughs> including Hera Bjork, who's lovely, and who I was like, they're probably going to send her through. I really hope Atari either gets through or gets, like, the producer's wild card. But, uh, no, it was it was Hera Bjork and Hatari through to the, the final for Iceland, which Hatari has, prom- has challenged uh, Netanyahu to Icelandic trouser wrestling the day after Eurovision, so I think they're ready to go. I love these guys. <laughs> I'm just so excited, and it makes me so sad that they're, like, that their whole thing is anti-capitalist because they have joked about you know we might sell a few t-shirts along the way but they have no t-shirts for sale i will be first in line to buy the hatari t-shirt assuming that the image on it is not like obscene i don't know have we checked etsy for the like under the name of their holding company i have looked under the holding company if you look for hatari t-shirt you mostly get like shirts that are made as memorabilia for the 1965 john wayne movie hmm. uh which is not what i want a t-shirt of that's fair yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other main selection this weekend, and the one that was not on Saturday, thank you, Romania, was Romania. Yeah, it was actually a pretty delightful semifinal. Like, Romania has a pretty strong field this year. Going back to our America's Got Talent is everywhere vibe, one of the contestants was Laura Bretan. Uh, she was on America's Got Talent in 2016. I believe she finished in sixth place, and her talent is singing. And uh, but 
so as you might have the, guessed. So many yeah. of the Got Talent talents are singing. Yes, uh, but uh, at the time she was 14 years old and has a very solid operatic voice. And before she was on America's Got Talent, she uh, was on Romania's Got Talent and won that competition. <laughs> so Laura Bertan has got talent. It's kind of no surprise that she's finally doing Eurovision. She's now that she is uh, eligible to compete. She's 16 now. Uh, she'll be seven if she makes it to Tel Aviv. She'll be 17 years old. So that criterion is taken care of. Uh, she's a bit of a problematic fave, though. Romania had a referendum last fall on defining marriage in their constitution as being uh, between man and woman, and she filmed an ad in favor of the referendum. Oh, boy. That's... Yeah. Ooh, uh, that, yeah. That is a bold no stand. Uh, it's it's consistent with, like, Romanian orthodoxy. My understanding is she's very active in the church. Like, if you pull up her bio, she grew up singing in the Romanian Orthodox Church in Chicago and kind of at odds with Eurovision fandom, but uh, the referendum did not pass. It's a whole thing, and it's not great that she was kind of in support of that. Yeah. Eurovision could be a learning ex experience for this, where it's just like, oh, engaging with the LGBTQ fandom might provide some enlightenment. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. She has to get through the final first, which is happening this Sunday. Uh, should be streaming on YouTube. If you check out our calendar on our homepage at eurowhat.com, we've got all of the listings for everything that is going to be coming up for the rest of selection season, including... This weekend. Including this weekend, and boy howdy, this everything. weekend. There are, there are 11 things happening on Saturday. Most of them are semifinals, but Croatia has their final on Saturday. Estonia mm. has their final on Saturday. Latvia has their final on Saturday. Slovenia has their final on Saturday. Romania has their final on Sunday. Thank you, Romania. <laughs> Thank you, Romania. More countries need to have their things on Sunday. Yeah, or or during the week. Like, or yeah, or during the week. Yeah, Thursdays are good. Thursdays uh, are think, great. Friday yeah, is lovely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was something the UK did right this year. They they had their final on Friday, which thank you. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> free, free up the calendar. There's seven days in a week. There, like. Yes, but but again, all of, all of the dates. And and links. That was so helpful this weekend when we had to switch between so many of the things was that there were always links are available on our calendar over at Eurowhat.com. Yeah, anything else that we should cover before shoring up for this weekend? Um, Hatari is great. This is becoming a Hatari fan cast next episode. Yes, yes. We we stand the fall of capitalism. We stand Hatari. So <laughs> <laughs> That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thank you for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. You can find us on our website at EuroWhat.com and on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at EuroWhat. If you'd like to contact us by email, we can be reached at esc at whatelseison.tv. We'd love to hear your questions and comments. You can subscribe to the EuroWhat on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or the podcast app of your choice. Rating and reviewing the podcast when you subscribe also helps other Eurovision fans find us. Word of mouth is still the best way to get folks to listen, so please be sure to tell your friends about the EuroWhat podcast. We'll be back next week to try to make sense of what's new in Eurovision. 